0: Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI & You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Presse, and Cora Media. In AI & You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives, from social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself subscribe to A.I. and U wherever you listen to podcasts
1: the memories are not entirely clear but yes basically when this happens to me i talk to my girlfriend and she says okay stop Twitter, now it's over, and then I have what are called the rescue pills, I take them and these make me sleep, so I slept for many, 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 many hours, which is great, because I prefer, you know, being the sleeping beauty <laughs> than being a corpse, and then when you wake up, it's like a hangover, <laughs> like if you've had the party of your life, and you wake up, it's like, what did I do yesterday, or what did I do two days ago.
0: This is Pietroch Vignals. She's 31 years old and lives in Barcelona, Spain. Pietroch works as a German teacher, but also spends much of her time in activism, fighting for causes she believes in. Among them is breaking down the stigma surrounding mental health and helping others to talk openly about it. Eight years ago, she was diagnosed with Borderline Personality Disorder, or BPD and Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD. Since then, she's made several suicide attempts. Today, Pitroch is feeling better, but there are factors that destabilize her mental health sometimes. One of them is her need to be hyper-connected to what's going on in the world, especially through Twitter, the social media platform that recently rebranded as X. The last crisis provoked by this need to constantly consume news and opinions happened a few months ago, on the 27th of January, on the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Every year on this show, we shine a light on Holocaust Remembrance Day. On that day, Petrarch consumed news, videos, and messages on Twitter related to the commemoration for hours. At the same time, she was reading real-time information about how migrants were dying at the the European borders. No matter
1: our differences, we have to respect and show love for one another, and we must denounce hate.
0: Until she exploded. We live in the age of over-information, a constant bombardment of content where platforms like Twitter serve us an infinite showcase that we can spend hours and hours scrolling through. But what effects does this overexposure have on our well-being? And on people like Pietroč, who have a mental health condition? This is Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. My name is Julie Samand. For today's episode, we're going to Spain to listen to a story about how scrolling online has an impact in real life. Pitroch lives in Roquetas, a working-class neighborhood in Barcelona with steep, winding streets at the foot of the Colcerola mountain range. From the terrace of her house, she can see a beautiful view of the city and in the background, the Mediterranean Sea. She welcomes us into her house on a hot summer morning where she lives with her girlfriend and her dog, Sirius. On the wall hangs a large LGBT flag and many posters and photographs with political content.
1: Sitting in the living room, Pitrac describes what a typical day is like for her. I wake up around half past six in the morning And then I take the train to Girona, where I'm working right now. I'm a professor at the University of Girona. I teach German there. And then I work there, yeah, basically all the morning. I spend the entire morning. And then at lunchtime, more or less, I come back here. Then I have lunch. And I nap a bit because I'm a great nap fan. (laughs) Then I work as a freelance in the afternoons, teaching German to people who want to go to German-speaking countries. Petroch,
0: whose name means Robin in Catalan, loves reading and is curious by nature. Aside from several languages, she has also studied maths, philosophy, politics and cognitive science. This curiosity also leads her to always want to be informed about current political events, and in general about what's going on in the world. For this purpose, Twitter is one of her main sources of information.
1: I wouldn't say addicted because I always say, and that's part of my struggle, that all words have to be used precisely. And an addiction is an illness and it is serious. I mean, it's not just uh, having kind of a habit. So I wouldn't say I'm addicted to Twitter because I can spend some hours without Twitter or I don't have this physical urge to be online, but I spend a lot of time online.
0: Pitraj always has her mobile phone at hand to check Twitter. In all kinds of day-to-day situations, when traveling to work by train, when walking her dog serious, or when she's quietly smoking a cigarette in her living
1: room. If I'm alone, I'm permanently checking Twitter, like maybe every 10 minutes. And it's very, very easy for me just to disconnect off the wall and engage into all kinds of arguments. Because, yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's pretty difficult to have a discussion on Twitter right now. Sometimes even if I'm at work and my students are doing something in little groups and they have like free time to solve some exercise, I'm on Twitter at work. And the problem is that I can get engaged in the Twitter argument or during my working time. And this is certainly problematic. Not only because of this, but also and especially because of the impact that the content on Twitter has on my life.
0: The effects of social media content on people's mental health is a topic of increasing interest. But the focus is usually on how platforms like Instagram or TikTok offer a sugar-coated image of the real world, when it's not an outright false one, and the impact that it has on people's self-perception and self-esteem. But the negative consequences of online content can come from a different direction.
1: There is another part which is like, yeah, the global content, the political content that plays a role in social media, the violence which is always kind of surrounding this on social media, and this has severe or can have severe effects on one's mental health, and this is my case. I have no Instagram, I have no TikTok, but yes, Twitter and the amount of, <sighs> <laughs> sorry for the full language, but the amount of shittiness I have to deal with every day, and it's kind of a, it's overwhelming.
0: Social media is already one of the main channels of access to news content, especially among younger generations. But it's also a window to false information and an enormous amount of opinions, many of them hateful. As we experienced recently with the COVID-19 pandemic and the outbreak of the war in Ukraine, life online can become especially intense in the face of events with tremendous global impact. But for Petroch, the stress generated by current events can appear at any time especially when she sees statements or events online that go against the values she believes in.
1: And I'm not talking about fake news, I'm talking about the reality, so real news, like bigotry, LGBTQ phobia, racism, all kind of possible negationism and conspiracy theories around, like many politicians now in certain regions of Spain Deny the existence of climate change, for example. Deny the existence of gender violence, for example. Or even think that the LGBTQ is a lobby when it is, historically speaking, an endangered collective. On January
0: 27th of this year, Pitrac started her day like any other. She got up early to arrive on time to get the train that takes her to the university in Girona held each year on the anniversary of the liberation of the Auschwitz-Birkenau death camp. The day honors the millions of Jews and other minorities murdered by the Nazis during the Second World War. Scrolling through Twitter in the early morning, she started to see news related to the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. This International Day commemorates the victims of the Holocaust during World War II, but it also serves to extol the values of coexistence
1: and human rights on which post-war Europe was rebuilt. I think that we as Europeans have the duty to do what all we can to avoid the disasters of the 20th century to happen again. And I am very glad that Europe, generally speaking, has understood that Nazism and fascism is something intrinsically bad and that cannot be defended and that cannot be repeated again.
0: Pietrac follows many different types of Twitter accounts. Among them are the official profiles of institutions such as the European Parliament and the European Commission. Like every year, last January 27th, these accounts posted messages remembering the victims of the Holocaust and claiming the lessons learned from that tragedy such as the need to fight against racism and supremacism.
1: Distinguished guests, members of the Jewish community... Commission President
0: Ursula von der Leyen published a message calling to combat all forms of hatred and discrimination. Pitroch also follows the accounts of many NGOs working with migrants that arrive in Europe, supporting people who are already in member states and those trying to reach the continent. Accounts that were simultaneously denouncing the many human rights violations that European countries were committing at their borders.
1: The incident was filmed from several angles on different cameras by the migrants themselves.
0: So, the two issues intersected at the same time. On the one hand, institutional discourse against racism. And on the other, the reality of what is happening today to migrants in the European Union.
1: So the point was that I saw all the intervention discourses and commemorations that the European Union and Ursula von der Leyen did during that day but at the same time I know what's happening in Europe when it comes to Hungary for example with this still a member of the European Union or in Poland what Sweden is doing when it comes to migration laws And we know what is happening in the European borders right now. We know what is happening in Greece.
0: So Petroć began to mull over this contradiction. The difference between the official discourse of the EU authorities and how those leaders managed the European migration policy deeply outraged her.
1: How can it be? How can it be that in the same Europe that was on that day, on that week, repeating, rightly repeating, never again, allows this and does this. It was us Europeans less than 100 years ago who were in that exact same situation, you know. People which are not legal in a country, it's like, uh, I mean, Jews were not legal in that country, you know. All the refugees, for example, all the refugees who fled from Spain during the civil war, they were illegal in other countries too. What kind of a state interest can be above people and human rights. And my brain could not stop, could not process this perverse contradiction.
0: At that moment, something happened in Petroch's brain. She had an accumulation of thoughts about this
1: contradiction that generated a deep distrust of people in her. My brain started telling me that... that I cannot trust human beings, obviously including myself, and I didn't want to go out because when I, if I went out, or people on the streets, everybody is potentially a murderer, or maybe even worse, these indirect murderers, you know, like being complacent, being connivant with all this suffering. is directly collaborating with this injustice. I spend the whole week at home, like in paranoia and crying. This disconnection from reality causes Pitrotsk enormous suffering. The suffering is I mean this is something that it is. this is like a flute, you know like a flute of suffering and everything has the color of suffering then and I don't know who I can trust I don't know why I'm alive, I don't know what who I am, what I can expect from people, what I can expect from politics. I I I, I lost I lose track of everything. I mean I'm very, 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 very nervous. I cannot focus on anything. I cannot think linearly. It's like everything is like a brainstorming, literally speaking, but not just a storm, like the heaviest storm you can imagine, you know. And yes, I cannot control my movements. I cannot stop thinking that this is the end, this is the end, this is the end, this is the end, there's no way out. I feel trapped. This form of paranoia is a common trait among
0: people with borderline personality disorder, the condition Petracz was diagnosed with eight years ago. BPD is a personality disorder with severe effects on how you think and feel about yourself and others. One of its most characteristic traits is the fear of being abandoned. But also the difficulty in managing emotions and behavior, disproportionate anger, frequent mood swings, and impulsivity are some common
1: symptoms. It's not a hallucination, it's a paranoia in my case. And as far as I know, this is the common experience with people with BPD. That everybody is bad and everybody's gonna attack us, and this is what happens to me. And I know, rationally speaking, that this is not true, but there's a huge difference between knowing something and experiencing something. As in
0: other crises like the one that occurred that day, Petroch then looked for a way out, an escape
1: route to save her from the suffering she was going through. And when I'm in this bomb, of wanting to go out, but can, I cannot go out because everybody is bad and I don't know who I am and I don't know who I can trust and I don't know what to do. And then the first thing that comes to my mind is like, I have to hurt myself because with physical pain, I can regulate my emotional pain. Bithraj is aware of how
0: dangerous this reaction is. That's why when she's confronted with it, she takes strong medication that makes her fall asleep for hours. She calls them her rescue pills
1: that's why i take my pills and then I, I sleep so that i cannot hurt myself and so that my brain relaxes and it's like okay just sleep and the world doesn't exist for a while these are very, very strong pills that's why they are just my rescue pills i couldn't live taking them daily but they are really really helpful and really useful and then you wake up maybe 24 hours afterwards or 36 hours afterwards and then you can slowly overcome this situation.
0: The scientific evidence on how online information overexposure affects our mental health is scarce. However, some studies have already pointed out the way that digital tools generate specific responses in our bodies. This is the case, for example, with mobile notifications, which trigger a small release of dopamine in us, a powerful motivator. Some psychologists say that smartphones today act like a kind of drug supplier. Or in this case, a news supplier. One that keeps us hooked all day long and from which we cannot separate ourselves. Pitroch explains that sometimes she can spend hours on Twitter watching content on the same topic, especially if the topic reflects attitudes that go against her moral values.
1: When I am focused on something, like... There's something unfair. I cannot disconnect. I need lots, lots of help and of distractions to disconnect. I can spend easily spend four, five, six hours or even more on Twitter, once and again, once and again, once and again, revolving around the same topic, even if I am not getting anything from this. It's just like oops. A way to name
0: this in a single word is doom-scrolling. During the worst months of COVID-19, this term started to be used to describe how many people were obsessively checking their social media feeds for the latest news about the pandemic. The design of platforms like Twitter is actually made for endless scrolling, so when the topic of conversation of the moment is negative, this general discomfort permeates everything in our lives, which can give us the impression that the world is a place where only bad things happen the COVID-19 pandemic is a recent example of what effects these habits have in people's mental health. A study conducted in Spain at the beginning of the health crisis showed that among the more than 5,500 people analyzed, two thirds suffered from anxiety and depressive symptoms. But those who reduced their exposure to news about the coronavirus, coupled with other healthy habits, experienced a decrease in their stress and discomfort. Experts point out that the stress and anxiety of receiving negative news is not new or unique to the digital age, but the constant exposure to headlines generated by social media platforms actually is. To manage this headline stress, the American Psychological Association recommends limiting news exposure to specific times of the day and changing the way we read, watch, or listen to the news. Pitrach is aware that this bombardment of content via Twitter is particularly dangerous for her, due to her mental health condition. So why does she still use Twitter?
1: I don't follow uh, hate holes, so to say. I follow just the newspapers, you know. And I have to follow them because I have this moral obligation as a human being to be in touch with politics. But at the same time, it's like, wow, my moral obligation can kill me. I have to do this and I want to do this because I want to be a good person and this implies knowing what's going on. And at the same time, like the basic psychological protection tells us, avoid everything that can kill you or that can potentially kill you.
0: Petroch consumes a lot of news online, but in her day-to-day life, she does a lot of other things. When she finishes her work as a German teacher, she dedicates part of her time to activism in favor of various causes. For example, she does advocacy work around refugees arriving in Catalonia and for the protection of Catalan, her native language. Another of her causes is to break the stigma surrounding mental health, collaborating
1: as an activist with the organization Ubertamen. Ubertamen is a word game. It literally means open mind, but Ubertamen is an adverb too that means openly. So it's like, hey, let's openly talk about mental health. And yeah, our main goal is to fight against stigma. There's a lot of misinformation out there. There are lots of people defending self-diagnose out there, like if it's—I mean, just as if mental health disorders were something that didn't require of scientific rigor and scientific attention and counseling. So we fight against all the misunderstandings and taboos around mental health that can, at the end of the day, lead to discrimination. Huerta Men fights against the different kinds of discrimination that
0: people with mental health conditions suffer in their daily lives. And they do so through first-person testimonies such as Pitroches. She speaks to the media and creates content talking about her first-person experience.
1: We also fight against infantilization, against gaslighting, like, hey, my disorder is not exhaustive of my identity. This is something that I have and therefore you cannot treat me as if I didn't have this. But this is not the only thing that I am. If I'm angry, my anger can be justified. It's not just about, oh, you're mentally ill. All this kind of misbehavior and (laughs) misunderstanding. After the crisis on January 27th, Pietroč
0: spent a full week in her house without going outside. One of the first things she did when she left was to visit her psychologist.
1: I had an appointment with my psychologist in a a hospital here, in a Catalan hospital called Vallebron. And I talked to him and I mean, I just burst in tears and he tried to help me but I couldn't
0: Petroch explained to him how the content she saw on Twitter that day ended up leading to a crisis of extreme anxiety and paranoia. Her psychologist recommended limiting the use of Twitter and being more careful about the content she consumes there. But for this, Pietroč claims that she doesn't have a choice.
1: I don't like the word consuming, because consuming is something that one should be able to choose, you know? I consume coffee or I consume uh, pff, chocolate but I don't consume news (laughs) because I cannot choose this.
0: So Pitrac and the people who love her use a different strategy.
1: If you really want to cheer me up, if you really want to give me hope, then I must see good things happening. So this is something that I do. Thanks to both one of my best friends and my girlfriend, which get along together very well. They're kind of my mamas, so to say. They know what content is dangerous for me, so they balance it by sending me positive content. Like people saving animals, for example, or people translating a book so that native speakers of a minoritized language can have access to that content. This kind of things. And this works. I mean it's obviously not the it's not magic, but this kind of works. Anger and anxiety is
0: a natural and legitimate reaction to the world's growing problems. It is also a driver for change if this discomfort is channeled in the right way. But this is not incompatible with changing our online news consumption habits if they have become problematic. So how can we combine the desire to be informed about what's happening in the world with a healthier use of online platforms? Is it possible to have a high moral and political conscience without being paralyzed by the anxiety coming from the problems surrounding us? In addition to a more responsible use of social media, experts point to the need to get out of the digital bubble that social media often leads us into. For example, if news about climate change causes us stress and discomfort, scrolling endlessly reading about its effects is not going to help, neither individually nor as a society, to tackle the problem. Instead, Getting involved in a climate advocacy organization can help us feel better, while at the same time making more people aware of the need to change our relationship with the planet. We've reached the end of this week's episode of Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. This show is part of the Sfera Network project and is available on Europod, a network of podcasts exploring European cultures, politics and societies. Pablo Jiménez Arandia is the scriptwriter of this episode. Maria Dios is our producer and editor. Our sound design is by Jeremy Bouquet. My name is Julie Simond. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where our producer will interview Pablo to discuss how social media impacts mental health. Bye!